Welcome to Humans of Fintech, the podcast where I share the inspiring stories of diverse leaders bringing equity to financial systems through fintech. I'm Nicole Casperson. In this episode, I get into it with Iandra Smith Bryan. She's the COO of Quant Fury Trading. She's a fintech C-suite executive, a professor, an attorney, a mother, and an advocate for women in male-dominated industries. Just a total badass. In fact, this podcast episode is really a treat for you all. It's basically a bad bitch 101 course for ways that you can learn how to thrive over survive in your fintech workplace, whether you are just starting out or you are a seasoned executive like Iandra. She is giving all of her secrets to success and lets us understand what slay and slaying at work really means. So I am so excited for you to listen to this episode with Iandra. Like I said, buckle up, grab a piece of paper and a notebook or a pen and get ready to jot down some notes because she has all of the practical steps you need to slay. Enjoy. Iandra, thank you so much for joining me on Humans of Fintech. I'm so excited to have you. Yeah, I'm like so excited to be here. I'm just excited to to really get into our discussion. You know, when we were at Fintech is Femme, for me, that event was, oh, I feel like I'm still sort of operating off of the energy from that event. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was so palpable. You know? Yeah, I mean, it was amazing. And, you know, before we get into your story, I think it, really touches on the first letter of SLAY, which is also an acronym (laughs) that Iandra has created. And that social circles matter. And isn't it wild how one evening of just being around that like femme energy and being around something that resonates with you more than, you know, like you said in your speech, you know, men playing golf and playing foosball and playing ping pong or whatever and like that's fine but it doesn't resonate with you so being in a in a social circle for an evening with other professionals in fintech where people resonate with you and have things in common with you is such a it's so energy filling it like fills my cup energy oh my gosh it's so energy filling but you know, one of my favorite books ever is Atomic Habits. I don't know if you've ever read mm, it. Um, no, but it's like so popular. It's the book everybody should read. And I've read it so many times now. And so I like to follow James Clare and, and listen to his interviews and podcasts. And I was listening to an interview he did this year and I just couldn't believe it. He said, you know, if he had to make any revisions to the book, it would be this new research that he's done that shows it's not IQ. It's not experience, but it's the network. It's the network that propels you to success. And that was so, I I don't know, I mean, I was shocked. I don't know if you'd be shocked to hear that, but I was like, really? It's your social circle that determines where you are and where you end up? And so that's why we need to tell women the network, cultivating a network, building a network like FinTech is Fem, being in a community with with females that are killing it, that are doing it in the space. Those are the kind of things we need in order to thrive in a male-dominated environment like this one. You know, So, so that's why I love it so much. It's so true. More powerful together and stronger together, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, gosh, I love it. And 
we're going to get into more of that. But first, I do want to learn more about your origin story. You are a fintech executive, COO at Quant Fury. You are a professor, an attorney, a mother, an advocate for women in male-dominated industries. You're, you're doing a lot. Yeah. <laughs> what prompts a badass black woman from the Bahamas to enter <laughs> fintech? Oh my gosh, I was like the girl, you know, everybody knows about the girl in class who whenever the teacher said, this is the rule, I would raise my hand and say, okay, well, what is the intention behind the rule? Why would, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so I, I, does this really make sense? Are you going to get the impact that you're seeking? Like I always questioned everything. And I found myself constantly wanting to do so much. Uh, so I'm a constant multitasker, but wanting to be in an environment that's very high pressured and very dynamic. And, you know, starting my career as an attorney, I was working, you know, with, with commercial, commercial organizations. And I said, man, I want to do more than just give a legal opinion. Right. I, mm -hmm. This is not the side that I should be on. <laughs> you know, I, I want to <laughs> be on the other side. I want to be in it. I want to be in different parts of the organization. I want to be putting the pieces together. I want to integrate. I want to say, okay, well, is this really good from a business perspective? And it wasn't until coming into FinTech that I can say I found my place. Mm -hmm. Like I was like, okay, this is where I belong. Things are constantly moving, constantly evolving. It's hard to keep up, right? Because the minute you take one step, the goalposts move and you got, you got to keep on moving in order to keep yourself dynamic and thriving. But also working in an environment where you have a flat hierarchical structure like we do at Quan Fury, it's all about value contribution. Everyone, from, from the most junior person to the most senior person, we all get together and we're talking about how can we make our product better. And so this environment is exactly what I've needed. I, I wish I would have known from the beginning that I, you know, I was meant to be in fintech. But I think the journey, uh, you know, has really helped me, and I'm really happy that I've gone through my career as an attorney, as a CEO in a banking environment, to now uh, being here in fintech. Mm -hmm. I've thought about recently how what's also cool about fintech is that you're, you know, we're creating a new system, right? And to create change, you know, they always say you have to create like a new system and you can't just try to fix the old one. But it's also, it's kind of both, I feel like when you're in fintech, because you're combining these two very like traditional and very, you know, almost broken systems that have, you know, or that are rife with inequities and you're putting it together and hoping that by creating something new, you're disrupting the old. You know what I mean? I've like thought about that recently. It's constant disruption. And, and I love disruption. I know, you know, some people think disruption is, oh, is it, is it a positive thing or, or what? I love it because to me, whenever there's disruption, there's an opportunity to transform whatever that is, right? So, so it could be to transform the client relationship, to transform the current state. What fintech is, is it's essentially seeking out the pain points in any current situation. It could be seeking out the pain points in banking, let's say, right? And saying, okay, all of us absolutely hate the account opening process of most banks. Or all of us hate the credit application process. Yeah. So, so let, let, let's find a way to take all these painful, painful things that are associated with this process and how can we make it better? That's what FinTech is to me. It's really sort of searching out those pain points and saying, how can, how can we remove that? And how can we bring about not only innovate innovation, but really transform that. You know, I, I like to say nowadays, you know, forget millennials, Gen Zers, they they want immediacy. 
I mean, they're used, I mean, come on, they grew up on the iPhone. They're used to like things automatically happening at their instance that a lot of the things that we're seeing now created, I love it because I mean, what we're seeing is people are saying, if there's any opportunity to improve, to give that immediacy right away, to bring about a higher, higher value, let's go ahead and do it. And then that's why there's so much opportunity in this industry. That kind of leads us almost to the L of Slay, oh. which is living fearlessly. This is perfect. Yes. <laughs> We're just going to interweave this uh, whole Slay into this whole thing. Um, but living fearlessly, because that is, you know, I think that's like a living fearless moment for you, right? Yeah. To say, hey, like, I'm going to go into the fintech space, despite not being a part of it before. And this is, you know, this is where I'm going to find my sense of belonging. And I think that there can be something I get feedback a lot from my readers or listeners is more of a sense of hesitation because they're, you know, afraid to jump into a largely white and male dominated field, or they haven't even realized that that's why they're afraid to jump into fintech and they later find out after reading my work. And it's, yeah. So, I mean, how did you, for you, how is it like kind of embodying living fearlessly, but also dealing with you know, I'm sure some of the more mental hurdles that come with, okay, I'm going to enter fintech. Everything we do in life, we have to stop thinking, oh, we got to go in like super confident without the fear. You know, like like most yeah. successful people, they go in, they jump in with the fear right behind them. You know, so, so I said on the fintech STEM stage, fear is my new best friend, you know, because everything <laughs> that I do, I'm like, okay, I may be a little bit afraid. And with any job that you go into, it's like you, you move up the ladder. I became COO of a leading Swiss bank. You know, when I started that position, I knew nothing about treasury. <laughs> I knew nothing about digital transformation. So I'm like, okay, I learned the banking world. I became a great CEO in banking. Now I have to start over again as a CEO in fintech. Right. Mm. And so now I have to learn a whole other industry, but that's life. And the reality is everything that we do, we start off learning. We have this huge learning curve that we have to navigate. We're afraid. We're thinking, am I going to do this? Is it going to work? Am I going to be good enough? But you just do it. You just do it. You jump in and you figure it out. I was talking to a friend at an event last night and she was like, oh my gosh, I don't know what I'm doing with this whole fintech thing. Oh. And I said, I feel so sad because, <laughs> you know, us women, we feel like we have to know it before we can do it. Exactly. And the men, they apply for positions that they know they're not qualified for. Mm -hmm. Right. And then they <laughs> go know? into that position with zero <laughs> imposter syndrome. Meanwhile, women get get into roles that they're probably highly or overly qualified yes. for. And then they have the rife with imposter syndrome. And I saw like the funniest TikTok the other day that was like, girl, stop thinking that you got imposter syndrome. There's a whole lot of dudes out there that have jobs that they are not qualified for, <laughs> that don't even think twice about it. And the thing is, is right, like the woman, she has like three degrees, like all these yeah. experience. He has nothing. He's never, he's probably never finished a degree. He's in this job. I don't know how he got this job but he's confident, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, listen, and I, I don't like telling people fake it till you make it. I tell them, go into it, know that the learning curve is going to be steep, but know that you're going to overcome it. Know that you're going to overcome it. That's it. And just continue, continue to take the step forward. And I can tell you in this industry, this is the first industry where I've seen, I mean, 
there are a lot of people who will tell you, oh, I just came into the industry a year ago and, you know, now I'm speaking at conferences. So you can do it. Too. <laughs> you can do it, too. Right. Yeah. So I think especially you see that a lot in, in sort of the alternative asset space like crypto. Right. Everybody's just trying to learn and figure it out. And it's totally OK. Don't think that you can't do it. And also, I think one thing I always like to tell women, too, is we have skill sets. Like there are things that we're great at. I was a great executor, you know, as an attorney and as a banker. I'm going to be a great executor here. I had great ideas then. You know, there are things that are transferable and we have to really believe in those skill sets. And a lot of it comes down to first being aware. Write down what are your gifts and talents? What are the things that you know you can contribute from a value perspective to any organization? And you can see how you can translate that into a completely different environment like, like this one. Uh, one thing I will say, coming into this environment, I was supported, I have to say, by, by the team. I mean, they knew that I had skill sets that I could transfer over. And um, I may not have been in fintech before, but I never felt that they thought that I wasn't going to make it in any way. So it was also good, too, that I had the support of my team to just kind of do it. You know, and a lot of times, Nicole, I, I'm, I like I said, I like to ask questions, right? So <laughs> there's no question that's a dumb question. So I'm sitting around the table, you know, with persons that have worked on this product for years, and I'm asking questions because I need to be able to understand that that's part of the learning curve. So, yeah, I mean, just just do it. Just do it. Do it with the fair and all. But just do it. I love what you said even about just like asking questions and not being afraid to do that. Because I know in my career, I have felt that, right? You just, especially early on, you want to just do so well and you want to do the best you can and you don't want to seem like, oh, she's asking a lot of questions. Did we hire the right person? You know, like, I think that's maybe the thought process that's going through people's heads. I know it went through mine. And I think that leads to like that authenticity aspect, right? Like it's all connected to each other. If you have the social circle that supports you, then you can live, you have, you know, more opportunities to live fearlessly. And then, you know, you have to also be your authentic self throughout the whole process, because if you're not, then you're just going to bring along these traits that and one day look in the mirror, maybe say when you have become the COO or the CEO or made into the C-suite and you're going to say, who is this person? I don't know who this person is. Yeah. Authenticity. You You have to be you. You you do you the best way you know how to do you. Yeah. You know, so my coach, uh, Lisa Nichols, uh, you know, she is incredible. One of the things that she said that I absolutely love As uh, when she was coming out, you know, just into the industry and speaking, everybody would compare her to like, oh, you're like Ian LaVanzant. Or you're like, they were constantly comparing her to someone. (laughs) And she said, I'm sorry, um, let me correct you. If you're looking for an Ian LaVanzant, I'm not going to be a good one. (laughs) But I can be a damn good Lisa Nichols. And I love that. Because if you don't be you, who else is going to be you? Right? Yeah. don't try to be anyone else, you know? So for me, I want to wear my heels, right? I want to come in wearing my heels. I want, I'm a very personable person and I don't want to change that aspect of who I am. But you have to really, if you don't know who you are, the environment that you're in could easily shape you or mold you into something you don't want to be. That's why it's so important going into any environment, especially one like this, that you know exactly who you are. Know your values, know what you're prepared to negotiate on and not to negotiate on. Mm-hmm. You know? 
so that you go in being your authentic self. It's easier said than done, right? Like it takes time. I feel like it's, I mean, I'm, I'm only 28 and I have just started to become like my authentic self um, by doing this podcast, by doing this newsletter, by, you know, doing things a bit differently than what I, you know, was the traditional path that I was actually on before. And I like that you mentioned even just something as simple as like, I like to wear my heels or I like to wear my outfits and I like to dress how I want to dress and um, wear my hair how I want to or do my makeup in the fun way. Because I do think that while one might think that just though your outer appearance is a vanity thing, it really actually is like it's armor, it's expression, it's showing who you are. That's why I like create a mood board for Fintech is Femme so people can get like inspired to be creative with their dress because I don't know about you, but I don't want to wear another uncomfy suit. I have my like cute suits, you know, my like girl, my, girl, my, my boss suits, but like I don't want to wear another like ugly stuffy suit that I think is just going to like rid of my curves and not make anyone notice me. You know what I mean? Like I want to I want to be able to dress how that makes me feel like me. And I think that's that when you do that on the outside, then it it's self-care, like it's self-love. You bring that into everything that you do. And but it yeah, but it's, yeah, it but shows. it's hard. Yeah. Like, I think it's I want like I wish there was more I could do sometimes when I do meet someone who is like struggling to live authentically, especially in the workplace. It's hard, especially when you're just coming in. Right. Mm-hmm. I remember just starting out as an attorney at a very conservative law oh, firm. I can't and- imagine. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, there was so much tension because who I was, it was conflicting just automatically, right, with the actual culture of the firm. It's a conservative firm. Everybody's wearing the black and gray suits. Nobody's really talking out loud. So, Nicole, yeah. you can imagine the first, you know, every Friday, all the attorneys would meet in the boardroom. But nobody really talks, right? Only like the really senior <laughs> attorneys. I, I, this is my first day. And I'm like, oh, I have something to contribute. <laughs> so, <laughs> and every Friday I'm talking and they're like, you obviously are not getting the memo. Like, <laughs> but, but I did not want to change who I was. And so if the culture of this environment that I'm in is rubbing against or it's conflicting with who I am as a person, the question is, can I stay in this environment? Because what eventually happens over time is you start to feel like I have to pull back who I am. Right. I have to pull back who I am. Now, this doesn't mean in some situations. Yeah. You know, you may have to, um, you know, in the art of war, Sanchu says crash to conquer. Right. You may have to pull back a little bit uh, in order to get to the end goal. Let's say if you're a salesman and you're working with a client. Right. And your client wants a particular approach. But I have to tell you, if you find yourself pulling back, changing who you are over time, you're going to deteriorate. You're going to become so unhappy and and, and somebody else is going to be driving your car instead of you. And and it's not going to end well. Right. And so that's why you have to really determine what is it that I want out of this particular environment? You know, am I going to be happy here in the long term? If I'm not, I need to start making steps to get what I need to get out of this environment. Maybe stay here for a couple of years to what I could do, but get into an environment that I can be in and I can flourish and I can succeed. One of my favorite quotes it talks about, and I, I don't know it exactly, but it talks about where a plant is planted has a lot uh-huh. to do with how it yes. how it blooms or something like that. Um, yes. <laughs> and like, if you move a plant, it's it's amazing, but you can have a, the same plant in this yard and it doesn't grow at all just because it's this yard, but you put it in another yard and it's flourishing. 
You know, exactly. and I've seen that with people. Sometimes they're just in the wrong environments and they can't be truly who they are, that no one can see their gifts and talents. You know, they need to be in an environment where they can truly flourish. So authenticity is key. It's key to that. A key to being able to unlock all of that is self-reflection. And it takes time, right? Like it's making space for yourself to be able to go on a hot girl walk in the middle of the day yeah. so that you can yeah. think, you know, am I really happy in this environment? Am I at this, in this workplace, in this fintech yeah. company, in this whatever, you know, and in this role, maybe I want another role. And so, um, but that's like the work, like not everyone I think realizes or takes the time, right. To put the work yeah. in for themselves. You know, sometimes you think you can think about like jobs, almost like how relationships are, but like, if you don't love yourself and do the work yourself to know what you want, then how are you going to be able to find a place that meets your needs? Because, who you think you might be might be completely different than the person that you really are inside. Yeah. So that's what a lot of it was for me, like thinking, am I willing to give a company the rest of my 20s, the rest of my 30s, like am my 40s, like what am I willing to give? And that kind of lends itself to time, right? Like time is our most valuable asset. And so you got to do the self-reflection so you save yeah. the time. I'm so happy you did that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. It's a lot of work, though. You know, I got to read a lot of books and I got to like yeah. listen to a lot of music and I have to like take myself out of my comfort zone to do it. Yeah, no, it, it's so much work. And I people tell me all the time, especially the students I teach, oh, I don't know what I want to do. And I always tell them two things. First thing, have you really sat down and thought about it? Just like you said, right? Have you actually taken a few days and thought about what's my passion? What do I really love to do? Do I love baking? You know, do I love talking to people? Do I love selling? Okay, so on, in one column, write down all the things you absolutely love to do. I love biking. I love, you know, the flexibility of being at home. Mm -hmm. And then on the right column, write down all the things you're great at. Now, there may be some <sighs> things that you're absolutely great at, but you hate. Like, I'm great at fundraising. I can raise money, but I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. You know, you know, so so really dwell on your passions and your gifts oh. and talents and see see where they intersect. You know, so if you find yourself, I love speaking and I'm really great at it. You know, what what roles can I take that are going to permit me to be speaking on a public forum? Mm. You know, I love project management and I'm great at it. What can I do? And there are a number of things that I can do, uh, you know, that would give me the opportunity to do project management. But you have to actually take the time. Yeah. So, so that's the first thing I tell them. And then some people say, well, I've done that and I still don't know. And I said, okay, well, just do something. <laughs> just do something, you know, because <laughs> you can't just sit here, right? I mean, just keep on taking one step, putting it in front of the other, right? So treat it like a snowstorm. In a snowstorm, you don't look up, you don't look down, you just keep moving. Yes. Yeah, so right? <laughs> so just, so just keep moving. Because for me, my dream job, I didn't know it back then, was being a COO. I get bored easily. I love multitasking. I love integrating people. I love working with different groups and bringing them together. I love achievement of goals. But I didn't know that that was COO. You know, so it wasn't until I was actually in a general counsel role at a bank and my CEO said, man, our COO had retired. He said, I know you've never done operations. I know you don't know anything about treasury, but I think you'd be a really good COO. And when I got into the role, thankfully, they gave me an opportunity. I was like, this is my dream job. Like, <laughs> I'm doing like five, five different areas. So I have multiple roles and responsibilities. I'm leading projects. I'm integrating teams. 
but I just had to keep on putting one step in front of the other and keep moving, right? Yeah. And keep moving. Exactly. Yield to life's journey. Yeah, yeah. Yield to it. We're slaying now. So like <laughs> once you've done, exactly, once you've done like the, all of those things, right? When you've done the the reflection and, you know, the kind of curating the right community and trying your best to live your authentic self and your authentic life, which is an everyday work session, <laughs> um, yeah. you have to couple that with yielding to life's journey. And I'd love to hear you kind of explain more of that because I guess that's like, that is kind of what you did, right? By your, you know, the leader at your other job being like, hey, I know you haven't done operations before, but you seem like a great fit for a COO role. And I think for a lot of people that might actually strike fear, like, oh my gosh, I've never done this before, but like, ah. So instead it's like leaning into, <laughs> into, yeah. oh my God, this opportunity just happened. Yeah. I should, maybe, I should maybe take it. One of my best friends, oh my gosh, he's probably going to listen to this podcast too. He always tells me, he always tells me. Oh, good. Me, he's, hey, like, he's like the opposite of me. And he's like, you know, when somebody comes to me and they either give me bad news or they tell me, oh, you should do this. And it's really scary. He was like, oh, if it were me, I would just like curl up and, <laughs> and just cry. But you're like, do it, you know. Uh, so I, I get that everybody's personality is different. But I always tell people, first of all, a lot of times people will see things in you that you don't even see in yourself and listen to them when it's positive. Not when it's negative, but when it's positive. If they're telling you, oh, you'd be great at this, consider it, pursue it, you know, and just do it in spite of the fear. The second thing is when you have negative things that happen to you, and I've had negative things that happened to me in my career and on this journey, I, I've been through it all, right? <laughs> so I've been, I've been through all the lows, through all the obstacles, and I'm so grateful for it. I look back now and I'm like, man, thank God for all the times I've failed. Thank God for all the obstacles. And I say that because I've truly developed this grit, this resilience that I don't think I would have. You know, and I, in the environment that I'm in now, that's not the easiest environment. It's a tough environment, right? There's constantly things changing and evolving. And I'm not sure I would have had, you know, the wherewithal, the strength to be able to survive or thrive in an environment like this had I not developed grit and resilience that have been caused through all the obstacles that I've been through in life. But also everything, I was, I was thinking about this again recently, everything negative that has happened to me in my career, I look back and I'm like, oh, I'm so grateful that it happened. Yeah. Because Thank goodness. <laughs> yeah, thank goodness. You know, like when you're driving and you're like so pissed when you come to a dead end, right? Mm -hmm. And you're like, oh my gosh, I have to turn around. But I'm like, oh my, if it weren't for that dead end, I wouldn't be over mm -hmm. here in this corner right now. Like right, like this, exactly. this wouldn't have happened. And I remember there, there was something that I really wanted and I didn't get it. And I got something else and I said, oh, I got it. I got it, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So the reason why I didn't get this thing, because I needed to have the time and space to be able to receive this thing that was far greater. And you, you're you not going to know it in the moment. In the moment, you're going to be upset. You're going to say, why me? But you're going you're gonna to know it later on, you know? Yeah. And so now every time something bad happens to me, I ask myself, okay, not why is this happening to me, but okay, what what am I supposed to learn from this? What is this trying exactly. to teach me? What is the good out of this? Exactly. You know, what is the good out of this? And and it's amazing. And I, I'm going to just say, uh, you know, for everybody that's going through anything right now in their life, 
Uh, you have to know that you, you're not going to be able to see it, right? We don't have like crystal balls where we can see the future, but you have to know that this is happening for a reason and it's actually for your good. It's for your good. But you just have right. to have faith and say, you know what, let me take a lesson from this and let me see how I can, you know, how I can utilize this later on down the line or utilize this now and be grateful for it. I mean, this is like a welcome to the Be a Bad Bitch 101 <laughs> class of Humans of Fintech featuring yeah. Iandra. She is giving us all of the things that you need, all of the tools, literally like the, the toolbox filled with, you know, heels and crowns and lipsticks and beautiful things and sparkles. Yes. That's how to be our, our best selves. So I want to ask, because you tweeted something the other day I found so interesting. And speaking of just like being badass women in our seats, I feel like we all probably have someone or many someones who inspire us, who we look to regularly and keep us, you know, hashtag forever inspired, which you tweeted just the other day that a picture of you, this amazing woman, and it says she is the first lady of the Commonwealth of the Bahamas, Miss Anne-Marie Davis, but I call her mom. Absolutely adore her. Many don't know because she's been supporting her husband for so long. And please feel free to elaborate further. Will you give us more context around that? No, no. So I was actually, so the first lady um, of the Commonwealth of the Bahamas, I just absolutely love her. So, you know, I got to send her this now that we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I call her essentially the queen mother or the mother to our nation, right? So, mm. um, and what wow. I like about that, and I think this has a lot to do with, you know, when we think about the value that we have, have to the world. She's actually taken time out to support her husband and, and his, you know, career with politics and all that. But everything about her, it's amazing. And I was telling her last night, she's a CPA, you know, she's a professional. But to me, everything about her embodies or exemplifies First Lady. And I, I think that applies to, to everyone, right? It's sometimes, we, you know, things happen in our life and we think we are losing something. Oh, you know, I, I no longer have the opportunity to work because I have to stay home because I have to support my husband. Yeah. We think we're losing something, but we don't realize that what we're gaining is actually what we're made for. Yeah. We, we have to stop with the guilt, and, and I think as women, we can feel really guilty. It's amazing because I have friends that are housewives and they feel really guilty that they don't have a career. They're like, oh, I don't have any, you know, what, what can I do? And I have friends that are working and they're like, oh, I can never go on the field trip. But you have to find a way to integrate your life and know that you're doing the best you can. But also knowing that just like I'm looking at, you know, First Lady Anne-Marie and I, I, I was hugging her so tight last night and just saying, I admire every single thing about you and you may not know it, but everything that you do to me is so monumental you know even though you may not think it know that people are looking at all of us the same way right you know so like nicole i mean you're a freaking badass right <laughs> so and you have Thank so you. many people me included looking to you and saying wow you know at 28 years old she was able to create this you know <laughs> so so it's thinking about what we what we've been able to do and what we contribute to the world and yeah. not what we've lost. Yeah. Yeah. Oh gosh. I love that. And I think that segues perfectly into some of my final questions for you, which one of them is I like to always end on a positive future, a aspirational industry that we are in and, and always remembering that 
we can move forward in these, you know, positive ways because we're reshaping the culture of the industry every day, being who we are and showing up every day. So if we need to be the change we want to see, what change do you want to see in fintech and how will you embody it? Openness and authenticity. Uh, I think those are the two things I take because they they really impact me so much. Um, you know, sometimes as an industry, persons looking from the outside in can think, well, how can I even get in? Like, is it possible for me to get in? Like, I don't know. You know, I was speaking at a conference and one of the questions from the audience was, well, I don't even know, you know, if I'm ever worthy or could even get a job in fintech. And so for me, I always try to be completely open and accessible to everyone. I want them to see our industry as is one that listen, it's it can be for everybody. I believe that it's an opportunity for for women and persons of color to be able to not only come into the environment and work, but actually be able to be owners to generate sustainable yeah. wealth. You know, and I want to demonstrate that but you know, just by putting myself forward. And I want to stay true to who I am because I don't want people to think that fintech is just for the white male, right? <laughs> just for mm-hmm. just for the white male uh, with the headphones who's gaming or something like that. Exactly. I want them to know that it's for all of us. So to me, I want to continue to to represent that, you know, and I want to continue to encourage. We need more women in the industry, and even if you are not technical, a lot of people say, "Well, I'm not technical." There's so much room for non-technical people. <laughs> there is, you know. So, <laughs> So come on in because, you know, we, in order for us to continue to grow and to flourish, we need the persons that are good marketers. We need good COOs. We we need good HR persons, uh, you know? And so, so this is an industry that's inclusive. It's an industry that at least I want to be very inclusive, an industry that is open. And I want to be able to embody that. I, I want to be that change. You absolutely are. And it's incredible to see. And it's so inspiring, especially to someone like myself who, you know, isn't technical either. That intimidated me a ton when I first started my my newsletter. I'm a I'm in finance and fintech by journalism. I'm a storyteller. And so I've I've never worked at a fintech company. I've I've only interviewed you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people that do. (laughs) But so that's how I get you know, my intel and through research and just through learning and covering the industry for the last, you know, half a decade. So it's, it is something that to think, to always remember and a, sh- and a shout out to you for saying that, like, you do not need to be some finance expert. You don't need to be a tech expert. You don't need to have all of these things. You just need to have the skill sets that you have. And honestly, some of the best people come from outside of the industry and are leading fintech companies today. Like, there's a lot of them and, and a lot of them are badass women as well. So awesome. And my final question for you, which is what is one piece of advice you would give listeners who do feel like outsiders? I always like to tell people that sometimes we are our biggest critic. And I say that because we can, I mean, th- think about all the times that you've set out to do something and you've sat in the room talking yourself out of the very thing that you want to do. Because you're like, oh, they're not going to like me. I'm not going to be accepted. Should I apply? Should I do? Yeah. You know, silence the inner critic. Forget about what is. And just think about what it is that you want to seek. That's it. Okay. Silence the inner critic. You know, to tell that person, okay, I heard you, but but I'm not going to listen to you. I heard it bad. <laughs> Forget what is. So, you know, who cares if this company 
has 25 people working for them and all 25 of them have, you know, math degrees. Who cares? <laughs> you know, you have a marketing degree. Forget what it is and just pursue what it is that you want to be or whatever it is that you want to achieve. Just do it. And a lot of times, too, it really is, Nicole, like jumping off the cliff, especially when you are a minority. You know, as a black woman, there have been so many times when I have felt like, oh, my gosh, I'm not going to belong. You know, yeah. I'm not going to be accepted. And I just have had to jump off the cliff and say, you know what? I can either tell myself no or they can tell me no. But you know what? Mm -hmm. I I'm not going to be the person that tells myself no. So I'm going to exactly. jump off the cliff and I'm going to just go for it. Always bet on yourself, right? That is like such a good note to end on. And I love that you say this. I know that this is for like my podcast listeners, but I feel like this has also been for me <laughs> this, <Yeah>. entire, <laughs> this entire interview because I'm like, oh, yes, like I'm learning as we're having this conversation. And I'm even reflecting back in, at, you know, uh, 11 months ago when I launched this newsletter and I was like, oh man, I mean, is anyone going to care about what I have to say if I don't have some big publication by my byline? Is anybody going to, you know, listen? Or like, I don't know, all the other newsletters are written by dudes and like some of they're cool, but like no, no one's writing a newsletter like me. And so you know, will people care about EQ in the industry and culture and all this stuff and all these things that run through your head? But like, you know what? I was like, just do it. Just do it. Do it. Just do it. And look and what when, happens. Oh, look what happened. And when you do it, the amount of people that you impact, because they now are thinking, oh, my gosh, I wasn't alone. Mm -hmm. I wasn't alone. You know, and I think about that every single day. I mean, you know, sitting on a stage at a conference, right, with a thousand people, the amount of people that are looking and saying, oh, my gosh, as a black woman in tech, I can do yeah. it. You know, I mean, so so just do it. Look, look at what you've yeah. created, Nicole, right? So I'm happy you silenced your inner critic. <laughs> Thank you. you Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I'm happy. And I'm happy that we're telling everyone that listens to this and more that they should also silence their inner critic. And yeah, just step into your power and own it. I That's something I'm working on every day. Iandra, this is so amazing. Thank you so, so much for joining me on Humans of Fintech. And I'm so glad we kind of got to bring back slay and, and teaching yeah. all of the listeners out there how to slay in their own way so they can thrive and not just survive in their work environments and life. Yeah. Slay. <laughs> right. And on that note. All right. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. To hear our next story from another diverse leader, be sure to tune in next week. And if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to our show and give it a five-star rating as it helps our message reach more people who want to find belonging too. 